All right. Um, good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you here today. Listen, it, it is Mother's Day, and if you forgot that it's Mother's Day, this is why Grace Life is a great church. I give you pastoral permission to get it done right after church. If you forgot to get flowers or whatever, you go and do it right after church, okay? If you haven't planned ahead like me, right, honey? We planned ahead. Um, my name is Joe Davis. I'm one of the pastors here. We're continuing our new series on loving God's word, the subtitle being Open Heart Surgery. We're going to go through another. After this week, we have nine more weeks left, then we'll take a break, and then we'll pick up the, the other 11 weeks in a later, at a later time. Um, this week, we're looking at the Hebrew letter Bet, and the title of this message is Sober Wisdom. Sober Wisdom. And so with that, I'm going to read the passage to you, then we'll start with the outline, okay? Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I will then declare the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight in them as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes upon your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. So the first part we're going to look at today. It's not working there, Kev. You want to fix that for me? There we go. Getting sober. <laughs> what did I hear over there? Some little groans. Um, Psalm 119, 9 and 10. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. The first two verses of this passage capture the process and explain the meaning of the rest of the verse in this stanza of the song. This passage starts with a question from the perspective of a young man. The second part of the stanza concludes with a description of that young man who has been transformed by time with God's word. And the answer to the question posed by the young man, how can a young man cleanse his way, is given by a wise man who was himself once a young man. And that's the concept we're going to go with. And the first idea I want you to look at is supernatural awareness. I'm going to give you a look at my journal from the time when I was studying this passage. This is 22 years, 23 years ago. I am moved by the phrase, how can a young man cleanse his way? Just three days in Psalm 119, this is the third day I had studied it. Just three days in Psalm 119 has vastly increased my awareness of my lack of wisdom and holiness. If people knew what I know now, they would never let me be a pastor. And I know it's funny looking back at it, but when I wrote it, I was distraught. I was beside myself. What am I doing here? I'm reading just three days in Psalm 119 brought me to a place emotionally and mentally and spiritually where I recognized I am ashamed. I'm a young man that needs his way cleansed. Now keep note of this journal entry because we will refer to it later on. 
I want to look at some words today from this passage. The first one is the word cleanse. And I want you to notice, by the way, the Hebrew words, I've put them there to the right there, how they're pronounced. They all rhyme because it is a poem. The Hebrew word cleanse, to be translucent, innocent, to make clean. It can also mean transparent, which means you leave nothing hidden. You put yourself in a place of vulnerability where everything about you can be analyzed and diagnosed. The second word, I lost the connection, Kevin. You're going to have to click that yourself. So the second word is taking heed, to be wise, to live circumspectly. And this is a word that says that, you know what, you've come to a point where you're beginning to see dangers. And the third word, if you'll go, is the word wander. And it actually means to stray as one who is intoxicated, to stumble around in a drunken stupor, to be enraptured by your own ignorance. It gives the picture of a stumbling fool. And so the next slide is a problem. The problem is a foolish immature lifestyle. And let me explain what that means. It's not just a lifestyle that's necessarily based upon a struggle with a substance. That's not the only place where the drunken stupor comes from. It can come from your other own fleshly desires. They could be sexual. They could be relational. They could be financial. There's any number of things that come to the point in your life where these things dominate your passions, your emotions, and your decisions to such a degree that you walk around in a drunken stupor trying to fulfill them. And that's why the verse starts with, how can a young man, someone who is not necessarily age young, but someone who is unwise, inexperienced, can only have one thought, which is, I have to fulfill my lusts. How can he cleanse his way? So the remedy is time in the word of God. So the next thing I want to look at is the signs of intoxication. On the next slide, see if it's working out, maybe. Okay. First of all, there is the idea of sleeping. In 1 Thessalonians 1, or 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, let me just read this verse to you. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. So the first sign of intoxication is someone who is sleeping, not just necessarily physically, but someone who is sleeping spiritually, intellectually, emotionally, where you are unaware of what's going on around you and next to you and beside you. You are literally asleep. And the next thing we see is the idea of the pursuit of pleasure in Luke chapter 21, verse 34. But take heed to yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and all the other cares of this life, that the day may be coming upon you unexpectedly. That's tied to shame that we talked about from last week. But the signs of somebody who is wandering, walking around in a drunken stupor, again, not just because of substance abuse, but because of your own desires, just, just driving you. It could be your temper. It could be anything. Like you have to fulfill your lust to fulfill these, these passions, these cravings that you have, and you'll do anything necessary. That is somebody who's in a drunken stupor, so motivated to fulfill those that you are sleeping in the way that you're unaware of the consequences around you because you have one drive, the pursuit of pleasing yourself. 
Some more about being sober in the next verses here. 1 Peter chapter 1, 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's that idea of the difference between being sober and a person of faith. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And there's the idea when somebody is walking around in a drunken stupor, they can't see the dangers around them as they're fulfilling their flesh. And you are so hell-bent on making sure you fulfill the desires in your life that you can't see the consequences that are standing right at the gate ready to devour you. How shall a young man cleanse his way becomes the heart cry of anyone who is desperately longing for God. Holiness and sobriety become burning issues for you. For all those people who are entering a new stage of spiritual growth, and some of you communicated to me this last week, the ones that didn't take the sermon communicated to me that you felt like, man, that really shook me up. And I feel like I'm in a place now where I have to reevaluate everything. That is you being a young man saying, how can I cleanse my way? It is the heart cry of anyone who is entering a new stage of spiritual growth. (coughs) God's word causes an acute awareness of your lack of sobriety, your lack of holiness, and your desperate need for sober wisdom. And once we see, because of what we're learning in the passage, once we see that our way, our life needs cleansing, the word of God, this is the part I love, miraculously implants this earnest craving that I'm talking about in you for a remedy. So the next part is sober wisdom. Let me read this passage again. Your word have I hidden my heart. Excuse me, that I have that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With your lips I declare the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight in them as much as all riches. I will meditate on your precepts, and I will fix my eyes upon your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Let me break this down for you. The first proof that God's word is performing open heart surgery in your life is a life rocking sense of your own lack of sobriety. In all areas, not merely, again, about substance, but also actions, words, relationships, your decisions. The second proof that God is starting to perform open heart surgery in your life is there suddenly becomes, and, and sometimes it comes without you even recognizing it is here, there is a sudden transition to sober wisdom. We begin to crave this transition from immaturity and spiritual intoxicated living dominated by the desire to fulfill your flesh, and all of a sudden you start to enter into a place of maturity and a life marked with sober wisdom and all the decisions that come with it. (coughs) When speech and actions, thank you, sir, when speech and actions miraculously come in line with God's word, and I'll tell you the best place to watch this happen is on somebody's Twitter account or Facebook page. I'm sort of kidding, but I'm not really. (laughs) You can begin to see when God, if there's brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, you can begin to see what happens to somebody when they enter into a stage of sober wisdom by what they constantly communicate. It's pretty amazing. And I'll explain why in just a minute. 
This next verse that I want you to look at is Ephesians 4, 20 and 24. Let me read this. <clears throat> but that is not the way you have learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught, at, taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. There's the idea of the flesh driving you. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This passage describes someone that goes from drunken stupor walking, wandering, to a place of sober wisdom and transformation. So what are some evidences of sober wisdom in your life? First of all, our life decisions. That I might not sin against you. The pastor says, oh, that my ways were you know, forced to keep your statutes that I might not sin against you. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin. One of the first examples that you are starting to enter a place of sober wisdom is you make better decisions. Financially, relationally, schedule-wise, career-wise. You know what else changes? Our speech. My lips will declare, the passage says, that once I have hidden the word in my heart and I'm transitioning from drunken stupor wandering to sober wisdom, my speech changes. With my lips, I declare your righteous judgments. So that's one of the next signs that you are leaving immature, drunken stupor wandering into sober wisdom. The next step is personal values. The scripture says in this passage, I delight in your word as much as in all riches. It is impossible to think of God's word as more important than money unless you are entering a stage of sober wisdom. You know what else begins to change? Your thought process. What does he say in this passage? He says, I will meditate. And that means to think about or muse or, or consider or ponder. Don't have the idea of meditate being with your, with your legs crossed. Oh. It's not what he's talking about. He's talking about that when I think through things, your concepts, your truths start to come into my mind and I use those to analyze decisions. I will meditate or think about your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. Not his physical eyes, but his mental eyes, his goal, his direction. So another thing that changes is your thought process. As you enter a stage of sober wisdom, the way you think about things begins to change. You know what else changes? Our delights. He says in the passage, I delight in your statutes. In other words, the things you enjoy begin to change. And this is what's so great. See, th this is why it becomes easier to follow Jesus as you spend more time in his word. Because the things that your flesh used to love, they become less important than the new things that you crave. Does that make sense? So it started with, how can a young man cleanse his way? He's got these incredible fleshly desires that he can't seem to fulfill enough. And he, all he can do is think about it. As you spend time in the word and move from drunken stupor wandering to sober wisdom, those desires begin to flip. And the things that you thought were the most important become less important than Christian fellowship. Time in his word. Celebrating. Worship, seeing other people's lives transform. Think about it. If you're in a drunken stupor, you don't care when other people get clean. You don't care when other people become sober. You don't care when other people become wise. Because all you can think of is, I got to get mines now. But when wisdom comes into your life, 
You delight in the things of God, and those begin to replace your fleshly desires. Here's a verse I want to show you in the next slide. Joshua 1.8, right there. I'm going to read it to you. I love this passage. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. In other words, it's always going to be on your tongue. But you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have lots of money. No, that's not what it says. It says, then you will have good success. So think about this amazing transition, church. Think about this transition as diligent inquiry into the scripture. And we talked about that last week. Taking time for diligent inquiry into the scripture makes you sober. Makes you vigilant. And you are transformed from a silly, foolish, wandering, stupor child enslaved to the desires of your flesh, to a person with sober wisdom. As others watch this miraculous transformation, you become an organic resource to them. Not that you are seeking to declare what you've learned. It just happens organically, naturally, without you even invoking it. It's one of the signs that you are actually falling in love with God's word when you have opportunities to declare it to others. Let me tell you the first time this happened to me as a young pastor. I was in a leadership meeting, and, and it was like me, and there's about 30 other men, elders and deacons and other pastors in the church, and I was by far the youngest. I was at least 10 years younger than the next oldest person, and most of them were a lot older than me. And we were talking about, as leaders in the church, how do we become better in our time with God's Word? This is about a month and a half into me studying Psalm 119 every day. And so they're discussing it. And I'm just kind of quietly because I'm the youngest person there. And, and normally that wouldn't bother me because <laughs> I like to talk. But Psalm 119 had really been rocking my heart. And I didn't know who I was anymore. And then uh, Tom Fillinger, who was one of the pastors in the church, some of you will meet him in a couple weeks. He'll be here. He's going to do some coaching for me to help me because, you know, I've never been a lead pastor before. So I don't know what I'm doing. And so he's going to come and, and help me with that. He says, hold on, I got an idea, everybody. It's like 40, 30, 40 people in the room. He goes, I've watched Pastor Joe over the last six or seven weeks turn into an expert on how to love God's word. What? What did you just say? He says, Pastor Joe, tell them what you, this guy is a, this guy's an animal. I mean, this guy knows the Bible. He's wise. He's older. I, I really respect and look up to him. He says, Pastor Joe, tell me what you have, tell them what you've taught me about Psalm 119. I said, I taught you something? I thought to myself in my head, and my jaw dropped. So I stood up, and I shared the precious concepts that I had learned and realized in Psalm 119. With my lips, I will declare the rules of your mouth. That was happening to me right there at that moment. And as I spoke these concepts in Psalm 119 that I had been learning, I spoke of them. I sensed this for the first time. I was loving what I was talking about. I couldn't talk enough about. Well, let me tell you, I was thinking about this, and I read this passage, and this is how it affected my time. And I went through, and it, I realized, in the way of your testimonies, I delight in them as much as all riches. I was having more fun doing that than I could ever have on a cruise ship. I'm not kidding. I know you think that's crazy, and it sounds nuts, but it's true. It was at that moment when that happens, that my mind rushed back 
to the day I wrote that first journal entry I shared with you guys earlier, how could I be a pastor? How? Because God's word was transforming me, growing me, changing me, replacing fleshly desires with sober wisdom. And listen, it wasn't the leather bindings and the pages that did the miracle. It's not the actual book. You understand that, right? I mean, sometimes we as Christians, we venerate the actual book. That book is not holy. That book is not righteous. The book just contains the concepts that are holy and righteous. It wasn't the book and the pages that transformed me. It was the words in them coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit through the gift of faith. These words had given me sober wisdom that helped me begin to put away the childish lusts of my flesh. It gave me sober wisdom that other men of God, older and better than me, found valuable enough that they wanted to emulate it. What? Pastor Tom, you're like 55. You've been a lead pastor for a long time. You're discipling me. You're mentoring me. You're you're teaching me how to pray. And you want to hear from me how to love God's word? Is that wild or what? It was so humbling, team. I'm just telling you, it was so humbling and so encouraging. It was that day. Get this now. This is where the the switch really flipped for me, okay? It was that day that my love for the power of God's word in my life was solidified forever. You know what I thought to myself? Verse 15. Man, I'm going to meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes I will not forget your word. Because I've just seen what it did for me over the last 60 to 90 days. And where I am right now, oh, I know where I'm going. I know what's important to me. It is your word. I finally understood what the psalmist was saying. It all came together and it clicked and the light came on. This is the moment of the reality of God's word in my life. That it gave me the resolve to alter the course of my relationship with Heavenly Dad for the rest of my days. And I recognize my relationship with Dad is not based upon my Sunday school attendance. Some of you are old enough to remember what that is. It's not based upon necessarily how good a sermon is. How many people might be in a church that I might pastor one day. It has nothing to do with that. My relationship with Heavenly Dad is based upon this. How much do I pursue Him in his word, in his truth. Guys, I can tell you, I want so desperately, and this, this is the part where this sermon is clearly falling short, and you'll have to forgive, give me some grace, because um, it's really hard to explain, but I want so desperately for each of you to experience that humbling yet empowering moment that I had that day. I, wanted, I, I wish that I could manufacture it and just zap you with it. I want Psalm 119 to inspire that leap of faith in God's word to be able to transform your heart and life so much that you will do it. I want you to begin to see how dad, heavenly dad, will step up when the oh, let me not wander from your commandments moment happens. That moment where you say, I don't want to stray from your word anymore, Dad. I don't, want to, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be walking around in a drunken stupor any longer. 
I want you to experience the moment when Heavenly Dad steps up and says, well, let me tell you how. I'm going to help you to remember. I want you to understand how Heavenly Dad helps you to understand. Then I want you to understand how Heavenly Dad uses those around you that have I don't want to wander moments themselves. Just as he did the psalmist of 119. You see what happened here? The psalmist of 119 was a young man who needed his way cleansed. And he fell in love with God's word. And he wrote this incredible 22 verse stairway to heaven length type of song about how much the word of God had transformed his life. And then I started reading it and it transformed mine. It took me from being a wandering, drunken stupor of a young pastor to a person still with brokenness and humility is starting to experience all the benefits of sober wisdom. I hope that makes sense. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not stumble about in a drunken stupor anymore. Don't let me stray from your commandments. Because then I know what will happen. My mouth will shew forth praise. Your words will be on my lips. My values will change The things I enjoy will be different and I'll be able to teach others which will make me fall in love with your word even more and it creates this positive feedback loop. Every time, and this is the last thing I'll share with you, every time God's word does something in your heart, you experience the benefits and it drives you right back to his word. Man, I can't believe God's word did that in my life. Give me more. And now all of a sudden you have a new addiction. It's truth that transforms your heart and life. Dad, we recognize that a love for your word is supernatural. It can't happen without the gift of faith. God, let us not wander from your commandments. Lord, we don't want to walk about in a drunken stupor anymore. We want sober wisdom. We want transformation that is so powerful that takes us from a young, silly, foolish child into a person able to share with others what you're doing in our life. God, I know there are some people here this morning that heard this and, and maybe it went in one ear and out the other. And, and Lord, I just pray that you, I know the sermon is not sufficient enough to transform them. That's why I don't have any confidence in these messages. But I have unbelievable confidence in your word. God, I just pray that our people would learn what I'm talking about when it comes to trusting that time and the word will change them. As their pastor, I pray that you would help me example it in humility and brokenness. And I pray that some of them right now, even as we speak, as they're thinking through, now what am I supposed to do with this mess of a sermon he just created? God, I pray that you would give them an insatiable desire to stop wandering around and fall in love with sober wisdom from your truth.